Hey, Melody. Hey, Peter. What's up, Drew? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to How College Works. Uh, so today, we wanted to talk about a subject that is um, important to Melody and I, which is student entitlement, which makes it sound way down on students. But I think mostly what we mean is there are a number of sort of actions or interactions that students have with us that comes across as being very entitled. And one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was to explore those, those situations and, and the underlying uh, things that are going on with us and what we do to show students why those are not working the way they think they are. Because I don't think students are intentionally being entitled or intentionally being rude. And Drew, I think you probably have a really great perspective to bring here since you, know, you, ha you are seeing sort of how students are coming up through high school and how those experiences and how that system is leading to sort of the results that we're seeing that don't sort of mesh well with our, with our system. Yeah, I think we, we had spoken of it before that um, a student who's graduated high school and uh, accepted into college has become a you know, 12 or 13 or so year expert on the, that system. And that system, you know, mandated by law in a lot of areas to actually give students entitlements that, that they are required to not just compulsory attendance, but, um, you know, they are required, the, the system is required to provide X, Y, and Z for the students. So they, they're used to operating for their, almost their entire life in this system where they are kind of expecting to ask for and receive on demand certain, certain I, I don't know, luxuries, Services. I don't know what you call it, but, and, and that completely changes when you cross the threshold to age 18 and graduation. But their, their mode of operating hasn't shifted yet when you enter college as an 18-year-old. Right, right. Uh, so we thought we would have some, a couple of examples to talk about because, believe me, Melody and I could complain <laughs> about students for hours. I think we have before. Yes, I think so. I think we have. <laughs> Most of our students are, are really nice, and some of the students that we end up complaining about are actually really good people. They're really nice people and they just have like stuck their foot in it and you're like, I can't believe that so-and-so blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I know. And on mean? and on. The I know? Yeah. Probably. Oh. I, I usually don't sound like that. I know. So, uh, so I wanted to uh, start with an example from when I first was a college professor and I had spent uh, a year before that at uh, the teaching and learning lab at MIT uh, sort of working on assessment and curriculum development and best practices. And so I basically spent a year and, and become like steeped, marinated in uh, how, how people learn, what, are, what were the current best practices in terms of how to teach students so that they um, learn better, retain better, do better, uh, as opposed to just give you good course evaluations. And so I came into my first uh, professor gig and set up the class in terms to Im implement a number of these ideas about active engagement and uh, think pair share and, and this sort of thing. And it, I'd also put together like a little Google form, a little survey that they could anytime they wanted provide me some anonymous feedback during the semester, like how am I doing, you know, just concerns and something like that. And uh, because it was a larger class and I didn't want to necessarily make the bar really high if they had concerns or something that wasn't working that 
if they were too intimidated or didn't have time, I wanted to make it easy. And one of the things that I got in the first couple weeks was a, some feedback saying, you're not teaching the class. That it is expected that a professor describe what's in the book in class, and you're not doing that. We're paying you to be a professor, so you should teach. <laughs> my first response, like in the privacy of my office, was just like steam rolling out my ears. <laughs> like I was super pissed, partially because I knew what I was doing. I'd spent a year. What level of class was this? This was a first semester physics course. It was algebra based. It was for pre-med students, and so it, it, they tended to be sophomores or juniors because in the way it worked at that school, if you're going to be pre-med, you needed to be taking biology and chemistry your first semester and, and basically that first year, and wrapping uh, physics into that as well was going to just slay you. And so mostly uh, sophomores and juniors and a smattering of seniors. So at that point, they thought they were speaking from a position of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So they had had a number of other classes, and so they were, they felt that this was something which they understood how it worked. Um, certainly, I think they it was what sort of me standing up there and like telling you what's you know, like explaining the book to you uh, is is what they were comfortable with. I personally, I think that's a waste of time and money. I mean, physics books costs. If you're going to buy for the two semester versions or the big thick tome, it's like now it's like three hundred, four hundred dollars. So if you're spending that kind of money, why am I just telling you what's in the book? You could just not get the book at that point. Um, it's also yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I think we had also talked like that's a. I don't think that that problem is peculiar to college. I think that you know the, the change in curriculum that, that we've had in, in my district and kind of in my county. Um, as well, because I go to the trainings with every high school math department in the entire county, is, is leaning in the same direction of group work, partner work, you know, pair share, asking critical questions and kind of like letting the class fail and discover it. Mm -hmm. And then the teacher can kind of step in and explain, ah, here's why that mistake makes sense. And we get the, I get the same complaints from, you know, juniors and seniors and some of the sophomores saying, well, look, you're not, you need to give us uh, algorithms. You need to give us steps to solve. And that's not how math learning actually happens. And, and you've, you know, you've looked at the same research we have. It, so I don't think that particular problem is peculiar to college, but it's, the, it's kind of that symptom of the same, uh, hey, I'm used to middle school um, or algebra one where teacher just tells me A squared plus B squared equals C squared, plug it in. You know, right. and follow this algorithm rather than, you know, understanding a concept and uh, making mistakes with your peer group and being able to uh, see the reasoning from your, you know, from your group. And, and it looks like, yeah, hey, I'm teaching myself. I don't get it. I'm teaching myself. I had a parent uh, at back school night tell me, well, it looks like I'm teaching my son math this year. He's like, no, not a bit of it. I mean, you know, he's, he's working with his peers and then I'm stepping in to, to make sure the, the comprehension is there after he's discovered the brand new concept. Yeah. Yeah. This, these ideas that come from cognitive, cognitive psychology and, and, and other places talking about how, how people learn best, me telling you what's in the book is not 
really part of that. There is time, there's a place for lecture. There's times when I need to like get information out and we need to be efficient about it. I need to get a number about a, a, a certain amount of information out quickly to the class and lecture is fantastic for that. But mostly the learning happens in the doing and the working it through and the getting it wrong and then trying it again and trying it a different way and thinking about it differently. But the going back to the student entitlement, uh, that student was super entitled, at least from my perspective, partly because I know what I'm doing more than maybe other faculty who had not spent time on pedagogy training. I know what I'm doing. And well, the, I the, the presumptuous part was to tell you, oh, you're expected to read the book to me. Right, yeah. right, right. Like, like, and that that presumption that as a student who is, even if you've been in college for four years and you're a senior, most of your professors have been there longer. And that's, that that's pretty ballsy be like oh by the way person with phd who's an expert in this field here's how you actually need to approach your subject me who is not yet have a bachelor's degree and that process of this is not working the way i want it to instructor or in the high school teacher and college professor um, you need to change this mode to match what is what i feel is most effective in high school that may actually be an effective way of approaching your your instructor to say uh, something needs to change. I, and I think that that the the interaction that this guy had with you was the entitlement part. Like the the request is uh, is just naive as far as you know. Um, yeah, everybody learns better if a one-on-one -on -one tutor reads the textbook to you. Yeah, sure, everybody does way better if I've got a private tutor who I'm paying a bajillion dollars for reads the textbook for me, I learn great, I learn beautifully, but that's not what a college class is about, or that's not what a, even a high school upper level class is about. So it's, that was a naivety, you know, c combined with this entitlement of, I am allowed to talk to my professor this way. Well, you know, this, certainly this in, the, in the anonymous feedback, and I think part of what wrapped into that was frustration in that the mode which I was using it takes some getting used to. It is more effective, but... It requires more work on their end. It does require more work on their end, but it means they retain it. And certainly if you are a pre-med student, like, you need that because you got to go take the MCAT. So it's not like pass it and be done. You have to pass it and then go take an exam, which is going to tell you whether you're going to get into med school or not. So you want to get as much into your brain now with me so that you can get more into your brain later so that you can rock that MCAT and then go be an awesome doctor as opposed to learn nothing and then have to study on your own. Like, so, I mean, I, part of this is bumping up against how the academy, which is faculty, see themselves, which is you know, we see ourselves more as master craftsmen within our field and that field has to happens to be our subject like biology or english or physics and an apprentice somebody who has come to study with a master craftsman doesn't dictate basically anything to a master as far as i know having not been an apprentice or a master craftsman you know you show up you say what are we doing today right and they say go do this and you come back and you're done it's like okay do it like a thousand times now Go do that. I mean, it, it looks much more like what you'd see from like kung fu movies in terms of like going and studying at the Shaolin Temple and whatever. Like you just keep doing these things because the assumption is that 
the master knows what they're doing. And while that kind of oversells how well we regard ourselves in as faculty, that sort of master craftsman apprentice model is how we see student access to us is that students are paying for access to me as a as an expert in physics not for access to a tutor and as far as you know um that ought to approach with humility and respect and that that has been kind of breached with you know that expectation where in high school i can kind of come in and, and complain or gripe or ask um, aggressively so that I can get my extra credit or my retake or my score changed or what have you. That doesn't work here. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. I mean, partly because the number of, of carrots and sticks that the administration has on faculty is greatly reduced from the number of carrot and sticks that a high school administration has on those, those teachers. Uh, so it's, it's very, very much more hands-off in terms of the administration's involvement with how faculty teach and what they teach. Well, you're talking about like physics and math and stuff. This kind of thing happens with writing all the time too, though. <laughs> They're like... Do I, tell. <laughs> first of all, they want me to copy edit because that's my job. Right. I should be telling them exactly what's wrong. And I tell them I don't make enough money to copy edit their papers. <laughs> they have to pay me more. So copy editing, at least by my definition, is spelling, punctuation, and grammar. It's line by line editing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I focus on the big things. And so I'm like, hey, you're not really addressing the argument here or your, you know, your logic kind of fell apart on page three. And so I try to get the big stuff. And then whenever they turn that back in, if I if I say something, well, you got the argument fixed, but actually, you know, your topic sentences aren't where they're supposed to be. And they're like, why didn't you say that the first time? Well, partly. I mean, I've run into this as well because in, in my one-on-one courses, I have them write reflection papers. And it's um, I try to be upfront with them and say, there's only so much that I'm going to tell you. And in fact, for each paragraph, there's only like one thing I'm going to tell you to fix, which is the most important thing. There may be like 20 more things I want you to fix, but if I do that, A, I'd just be writing your paper. And, and B, you'd be frozen with, like, how do I don't even know how there's 20 things. How do I do all these 20 things? Like, where with one thing I can focus on, here's what you need to change. Here's why you need to change this. You need, you need to explain this word because you provide this evidence, but you don't actually explain how it supports your point and then how to go about that. You know, give them an example of how to do that. So you're saying students ought to actually go to the writing center? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Because believe it or not, talking about your ideas with somebody is very helpful. And while I'm usually available for such things, students rarely take that opportunity to come in and have a conversation about their paper unless I force them to. So there's this sort of feeling that I could be doing more to help them with their writing. And they want a formula. Like you're talking about plugging in to like the A squared plus B squared, blah, blah. And they're like, well, but... At the same time, they'll push back when I'm saying, oh, well, you need to have a thesis statement. Well, my high school teacher told me that that's boring. And I'm like, <laughs> well, first you need to communicate, and then we'll worry about flair. <laughs> right. so, but so I'm, there's sort of these two things of pushing back against like their high school instruction, and they're not completely trusting that I know what I'm talking about because it's a quite a big shift. Mm-hmm. And then because they're floundering a little bit in that shift, they want me to tell them all the things. And uh, they don't, they're not very happy with me most days. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. And part of the thing which I think can make you more comfortable as a student is being more comfortable with ambiguity and being like, okay, I'm going to work on this one thing, and I know there's other things out there. I'm not going to worry about them right now. I'm going to focus on this one thing. Well, I know we're talking about entitlement. So some of that, I guess, comes to, like, I had a similar comment on my last round of evaluations, which is she doesn't tell you what's what everything that's wrong with your paper, and she needs to start doing that. And I'm like, no, I don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. But this idea, I'm like, just trust that I know that I'm helping you with the bigger things and that these smaller things will fall into place after the larger things fall into place. Right. And that we really need to focus on making sure that you can communicate a full idea before we worry about, you know... Which form of the word there you're using. Right. At some level, like they, that sort of comes back to the entitlement in, in terms of, if I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with your paper and set, and step you through it line by line and then structure by structure, I'm writing your paper for you. I'm doing all of the intellectual heavy lifting of coaxing out of my student, well, what is it you want me to know, right? And part of what we're trying, trying to do, part of our job, is prepare our students to do this on their own. That if my students leave my classes and can't do some of the intellectual heavy lifting that my classes require on their own, that I have failed them. I, may, I mean, I may not have actually failed them in the class, but like I have failed them as an instructor because that's, that's, the, that's the idea. Like this is no longer about grades in my, from my point of view about my students. It's not about A's, B's, C's, and D's or F's. It's about, I think Drew, we talked about before, like skill mastery. It's about like, can you do this thinking? Can you do the reasoning? And if you don't, come talk to me and we'll try to figure it out. But that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do that. So I'll switch away from that whole thing because one of the things um, that, I, that really gets under my skin Especially because oftentimes this is within a, the context of asking for an extension or a favor of some kind. It's typically a very excuse-making kind of thing. I'm like, well, where's your, you know, blah, blah, blah essay? And like, I've just been so busy. I'm in the play, and I was like, I had to do that twice this weekend, and then my parents came, and then I had to do this other thing. I'm like, can I just stop you right there? <laughs> Because I don't like when students list how busy they are. One, I know you're busy. I see how busy people are, so, like, that's fine. Two, I don't care. <laughs> that's A lot of that is self-imposed busyness, so I get it. Uh, three, college is busy. Get over it. That's just how it is. It's just, I remember just being up all hours of the night and being tired all the time, but my shit was done, and that's just how it works. Right. But when you say, I'm so busy... That communicates two very important things to me. One, that on that big long list of things you're so busy with, my class and assignment was so far down you didn't even make it there. So on your priority list, I didn't even register. <laughs> Don't tell me that. And number two, it also kind of smacks of, I'm so busy, like, like I'm not busy. Don't you just live in your office? Well, kind of, but... <laughs> I don't, I shouldn't. Like, I do have other things to do, but like when they're like, well, but I've been so busy. And I'm like, are you in the whole rest of the world? So this idea that I should sort of give more time or leeway for them being so busy and putting me down on the, their list is really frustrating to me. Yeah. I mean, and in terms of entitlement, I mean, that really sounds entitled as in your yeah. class is not important to me. 
therefore you should allow me to have more time yeah you know i think that that uh, for for me the the telling bit is if it's a legit excuse it's really short right <laughs> that's true yeah I was at the hospital with my roommate because she had food poisoning and and like could not function. Look, if you call in sick or if you call your professor and say, I don't have my stuff, it's short. Like I have pneumonia and I'm in the hospital. That's it. It's a two sentence done. If you're telling this long story, (laughs) then you're having to rationalize way too far. And even in high school, my students, you know, hey, I don't have this. I don't have that. Okay, well, tell me what you did. And then I get this long, long story, and it's like, oh, so it, it, it boils right down to like, well, I chose not to, or I didn't want to, or I, I, I didn't know how to start, and I also didn't ask for help. Right, right, right. If we were giving advice to students about how to change that inter- interaction to where it didn't sound entitled, like if you have a legit excuse, you'll know it because it's one or two sentences, and like, my grandma died. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean it's true. And anytime somebody has said their grandma died, I have I have given them some some time and a little leeway. I'll, I'll tell you though, when I was a grad student in Wisconsin, there should be no grandmas in that state. Lots of grandfathers should be still living. Grandmas died all the time. Oh, so many grandfathers never died. <laughs> no grandfather died in the six years I was uh, a graduate student and TA in classes. So so one, diversify people. <laughs> yeah, that was the one like actually two, I should say, late assignments that I did in undergraduate was when my grandpa died and I had to fly out of state. Well, that's a legit excuse, you know, otherwise, yeah, you know. So the school play, not a legit excuse. From our perspective, you've signed up for my class. And you can value my class at whatever you want to value it at. You're paying for it, so I don't, you know, that's up to you. Uh, don't um, bother excuses right I mean, yeah but don't give I, me the excuse if it's not in if it's not in it's not in don't tell me about all the other things that are more important to you than my class I'd, I'd even rather a student come and say look I'm halfway done can I turn it into you on Tuesday and stop there and wait for me to come back with yes no half credit whatever I'm gonna offer right I mean that's that's a, a, a better thing in my syllabus for my courses and that this is non-standard I don't have a set late work policy, I say that if you're going to turn something in late, we need to talk about why it's late and then we'll determine what is the appropriate uh, penalty or something. So if like, you know, you know, family emergency is like, I will probably be like, yeah, you can turn in late and you will not have a penalty because that's an important thing. But if you're like, yeah, there was the play and we had, you know, tech week, I'll be like, you knew that was coming and you knew this was coming because for my classes, all the assignments are already there. And like, as you said, Drew, part of, you know, this moving to a, what is that? that that's a reminder, engineering, engineering club. club, it's happening. You're hearing my, my phone and various computers in my room. <laughs> so part of like going to college and being age of majority and nominally an adult, even though this is a four year sort of transition from basically being 18, but ha- having only the experience of a minor to hopefully being a full-fledged adult when you graduate, is if you're having trouble, you know, get out in front of that and come ask me for help. It's about, I live about a week until I have a paper due, and I had a student contact me this weekend to say, I don't know how to move forward on this paper. I was like, okay, great, let's find a time on Monday. We'll talk about this, how to move this forward. And so we, she came in, we talked, and I think she's got some good stuff to do. If you're like, 
Friday it's due is like, I didn't know what to write. And we're like, I don't care. At this point, the deadline has hit. So probably knew this two or three weeks ago and just didn't do anything. You know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. I'm not going to yell at you. If you're like... So I, if I hear it right, the, the advice for students is it's okay to have that kind of not ready for a prime time moment, but you have to move the timeline forward on that to be a grown-up adult and kind of say, you know, ahead of the due date, I know the due date's there on my calendar, I put it in my agenda, whatever, you know, this is how far I got and I need help, what can I do? Mm -hmm. Ahead of the due date, if you're walking in empty-handed on Friday, Well, a lot of that comes from, at least when I stalk them on Google, (laughs) they don't start their paper until 10 o'clock on Thursday. So by that point, it really is too late for them to contact me to ask for help. And then I'm like, you've made your bed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I tell my students periodically, like, my job is to give you enough support and rope that you can either climb out of this hole or hang yourself. Those actions have to be on on your end. And the thing is, is like most, I think, professors are here to help and are willing to help, you know. And so you don't necessarily have to go in in person and be like face to face professor feeling intimidated. I I, I haven't done anything because I don't know what to do. You can send an email that sort of like lowers that threshold a little bit. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm really struggling here. And most professors are going to respond in a positive way to that. In another episode, we'll discuss how to write a proper email. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Didn't, wasn't there, I feel like I just got something last week. It was in the Chronicle, I thought, like about 10 tips for emailing your professor. Oh, that would like be that. Different, different episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that one later. So anyway, that's one of the things that really seems to irritate me, this idea that they're just too busy for my for my class, and so sometimes I'm like, I'm just too busy to meet with you. So some of it is like, if you're not prioritizing my work or my class, I don't feel necessarily obligated to prioritize you. Right. I mean, and I think this comes down to like students, they want to feel respected and supported and valued. So do we. Exactly. That we want to feel respected and that a student is going to be open to our support. That if you don't tell me that something's not right until the moment you are supposed to be handing it in, you're not really allowing me to support you. Like, I, to, to do that, I need to know before then. Otherwise, I can't, I can't tell you what's wrong if you don't tell me something's wrong. You know, I guess advice for students is the way you need to approach us is one with sort of respect and have a thought for the fact that we are as busy as you. In terms of just sheer volume of, of work and paperwork and material covered, we're probably busier than you. We are much more efficient at it, which means that we can hold that down and still do our stuff, but respect our time and come to us with a request and not a demand. Come to us early enough that we can help you because uh, we want to. You know. Don't come with excuses. Yes, please don't come with excuses. I mean, unless you have like a legitimate excuse, but those That's are a reason, really not yeah. Like, sorry, okay, yes, okay, fine. Come with a reason. I mean, basically, <laughs> if you walk in, if you're if you walk in and you're going to say give a reason why you haven't done something, and if you know in your heart of hearts that this professor would have to be a real asshole not to honor this request, that's legit. If you're lining up six things to bolster your account, then it's probably BS, <laughs> and and you need to approach it differently. And maybe have show a little contrition. Look that up if you need to. 
I think that, yeah, this is a big carryover from high school where we, you know, we're in the business of, we don't want kids to fail. And we have like some realistic quarter grades, semester grades where we have to have a deadline cut off. Otherwise, I think more and more so even than 20 years ago, more so today, teachers are flexible where they're able to take things late for not not like, oh, half credit late. They will take it late for a couple points off or they will work with a student. And so I think students are used to the students that I'm familiar with, which is, you know, not everybody are used to coming in and giving that litany of reasons and the printer died and the dog and and my my aunt was sick and we had to go my parents dragged me to their family reunion and you stand there and you say you know okay some of those are out of your control that's true as a high school student you know and then i have students who i say well look you're choosing to do drama club you're choosing to do extracurricular is that stuff graded are you getting a grade for spending your saturday on that or are you working on something that gets a grade Right. Being able to make those decisions and then own it, you know, excuses and and, and a list of of reasons why is is what you give mom when you're home after curfew. Mom doesn't buy it either. I don't know. I I sound like I'm I'm lecturing too much, but enough said on that, I guess. Well, maybe sometime we'll have a, a student in as a guest and then we can discuss as opposed to lecture. I think... That's all the time we have for, for, for today. So, But I think that was really good. I mean, I think there are sort of underlying reasons why students come across as being entitled, and some of them, I think, most of them, I think, are just not used to it and, and, and not used to thinking about how a college operates and, and how a professor, how the job works. So please be thoughtful, students, when addressing your professors. Please do it earlier rather than later so we can help you. Please trust us that, one, we're here to help you, and two, we know what we're doing. Yes. I think that mostly covers the advice. If you do those things, you will probably not come across as being entitled to your professors. Thanks, guys. If you have questions for us, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Highland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. I'm at Andrew Highland. We'd love to hear what you would like us to talk about. If you got questions or anything like that, that you don't know what the question, what we need to talk about, but you have a question about how something works, we'd be glad to address that as well. So until next time, be good.